Welcome this week to the Space Explorer Podcast. Um, of course, your host, Seth Krakowski. And then with me, as always, is Derek Wise. Hello, hello. So, yeah, we've had a break for a few weeks, but we're back. Um, Derek just graduated from college. Woohoo. Woohoo. Clap. Applause. Um, congratulations on that, by the way. We both went to the same college, so we all kind of know the... Um, the trouble it is, and if you sound, <laughs> if I sound different, I'm like still recovering from a cold, so I have the sexy voice going. <laughs> I should join. I should join radio now. I. I really. <laughs> so this week, uh, first first things up for this week is we actually had we had a few launches. Um, we had like a one. We actually had two Soyuz launches this week. Uh, one I think was a Progress mission. One was OneWeb. Um, more satellites for their internet constellation, but the kind of the big ones over here on the on the U.S. side, um, we had transported two from SpaceX. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, first return the launch site landing this year. Um, we don't get to see those that often. Yeah, especially with with the new Dragon being heavier and they can't return to launch site now. It's you. We have to get really lucky for there to be an RTLS mission. Yeah, I think the last one was like December or something. Was that? I believe it was one, right? What was the last one? NROL 108. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Transporter one was actually a drone ship. Yeah. As well. It was weird because transporter one. Yeah. It was January. That was a drone ship landing. Um, but apparently like there's more mass in transporter two, less payloads, more mass, but they can do a return to the launch site. I don't understand how the physics works out on that, but I trust SpaceX knows what they're doing. <laughs> it's only rocket science. I'm sure. I wonder if Transporter 1 was like their... Cause, oh, wait, no. Cellcon 1B was also a return to launch site. And that was the first portal launch. So never mind that theory. I was like, maybe the theory is regulations, but like, never mind. They did it on the first polar launch. So, uh, yeah, so this was uh, solo what, sun-synchronous orbit, yes. right? Uh, which is practically a polar launch down the down the coast of Florida, um, they're kind of cool to watch from the beach. Um, they're really cool. They look so much higher than the launches into normal low Earth orbit like we see to the space station or for the Starlink launches. Because with those, it's going north away from you or northeast away from yeah. you. And it seems to go horizontal really quick with this because it has that basically turn south almost after it gets off the coast. But I mean, you're looking almost straight up. It's if you have a tripod, sometimes it's like your tripod cannot tilt high enough to see the yeah. rocket. It's really cool, and I know for uh, for Seocom when that happened, and again here, it really feels like that rocket's right on top of you when it's coming down to land. It's the, crazy. Oh yeah, I watched I watched uh, both Transporter One and Seocom from uh, Cocoa Beach. And that's like such, it's such a weird thing to watch. Like it's a, uh, like, it's also a weird thing to hear. Cause like normal launches, they get quieter as they go. And this one does eventually get quieter, but it's so much louder for so much longer because especially on the beach, because it actually is coming towards you instead of away from you, which is like, it gets loud from like at the launch and then it gets louder as it gets close to you, and then it gets quieter. As it I mean, it's away. it's going up, so it's still getting away from you. It's getting but further, it's like, but like it's in, weird. Like in latitude, the, the, yeah, it's crazy. Like the, the 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 noise is just so weird. It's so much weirder there. I don't, I don't understand it, but it's so awesome. And then the sound at landing is even crazier because it's it's silent, and yeah, it depending is. on where you are, it's silent even after you see it land. And if you're closer, 
you'll get the sonic booms before it lands and you'll suddenly lose track of it because it's like three sonic booms in rapid succession and it's they're just so loud and it doesn't matter how much you're focusing on tracking the rocket and trying to ignore it it's hard not to jump yeah i've never i never caught i never gotten one like i've never been that close to one so i think i've only seen rtls is from off-site so i have no idea like i bet it's way louder on-site than it is off-site or is it about the same uh i would it's definitely maybe a bit louder but what you have to think about is those sonic booms are from a while ago in the flight yeah by the time they reach you so those occurred way up in the atmosphere i can't say numbers i don't know them off the top of my head or anything I don't but like I, I don't know what it's it they occur for a while and then it's just trying to they the sound waves are catching up with the rocket as it's slowing down to land yeah it, yeah I, i've only seen it from also but like i've never like stayed focused during it at all yeah and it's so freaking cool to watch one of the other things i love about it is you can hear the sound of the engines change as it lands it i don't know if it's like almost a higher frequency just because it's landing on a solid launch pad and so it's just this sounds like bouncing up in some ways it's just a really cool and hard to explain sound yeah uh, yeah, it's so transport two launched last week. Um, sent they sent like eighty eight payloads. Um, three of those were um, three more polar Starlink launches, uh, Starlink yeah. satellites. Don't know if those had the. I think I think all polar ones ha- already have the um, laser communications between the satellites. I would assume that these I, were did have the interconnects, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, they didn't show any and, pictures of them like they did um, like before they did with Transporter One. Transporter One had like ten of them, I think. Yep. And uh, they had a picture, and they did have it. But the the version, the normal version one don't have those. But these polar one do, or something. Yeah, like I'll that. have to look it's back weird. at the broadcast to see if I can see anything at the corners. You barely even saw are. them when they. Deployed. Yeah, they were gone. They're like they're up on top and, and they deployed. You barely and, even saw them. Yeah, um, but so, speaking of the one because we have the one point fives coming up eventually. Whenever yeah. those Starlink V one point fives. Are available and those will have the interconnects so that'll be interesting to see how the numbering of the starlink missions changes at that point and to see how much oh, more you're ready you it ready gets. for starlink version 1.5 launched one <laughs> the break all naming schemes again yeah it's like and since it's uh within the version one will it reset back to the ver <laughs> like who knows who knows honestly who knows we'll see it, it'll either way it'll be interesting and i look forward to seeing Starlink launches pick up at some point. Yeah. Speaking of naming changes, we actually have a new name naming scheme for Starship. I don't know if you caught that this week. Do so we? It's no, it's no longer super heavy. Or I can't remember what it, what. It's no longer like BN three or um, SN three, SN twenty, whatever it is. So the naming scheme before, so we had like Mark one, Mark two, Mark three way back, like in twenty nineteen or something like that. Um, early early. 2020 then we went into a serial number um for starship so you had sn1 through all the way up there now through 15 or 20 but now they're just going to be called ship ship 20 great i kind of like it i kind of don't so elon used it in a tweet for the first time um like we've seen it like not like in other ways but like this is the first time we saw like in a tweet from elon and 
it's so it's ship twenty and then it's booster number, which I think we've you know, we've normally used like BN, like booster. Yeah, we've we've said like SN then the number or BN and then the number. So, so. now it's just booster three. Um, okay, at least it's not a massive change. At least we're not resetting the number. You know, it, it's it seems better for like production rather than does you know development this this scheme so for starship we had booster three which we all thought was going to be originally was supposed to be the first orbital flight booster um booster two or bn2 was supposed to be like the first full-scale test article that got downscaled to a much smaller test article and now we're at booster three which is the first like full-scale test article booster four which is going to be built soon it's going to be the first orbital booster if that makes sense <laughs> yeah uh, hey it, it's a clear numbering i really hope that at some point they do end up naming the boosters because i hope be they cool. name i hope names would be cool like names would be cool they, they would have to make a lot of names but names would definitely be cool i feel like elon would come up with some anime names 100 percent. well i mean we we look at the raptors some of the raptor engines already have some nicknames just from the what the, the memes that are printed side. out and put on the <laughs> side of them, and so they grab yeah. their nicknames based off those. Which didn't is they have a cool. when? Didn't they go along with the when joke with one of them? I, I, I think so. I think they have when orbit on one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So booster three rolled out to the test pad um, not that long ago, like a few days ago, and they're going to be doing like just testing on it. Um, I'm sure just like kind of like what we saw with like the first Starship test, but like more. More, I think probably thrust is probably the bigger one because it's the same design as a starship, just bigger. Um, maybe like, I guess maybe the welding is more complex, but the welding is kind of the same. You're just welding for longer. Um, but yeah, like they're going to be having like what thirty or forty raptors on the bottom, so I think they're going to be yeah. probably more worried about thrust rather than uh, you know, anything else that we've seen before. Yeah, so Elon tweeted out on July 1st at 5.57 a.m. Eastern Time. Super heavy boots tomorrow. Uh, by tomorrow, he meant, yeah, it, in about, like, eight hours, it moves. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, dude doesn't today, dude tomorrow, doesn't, what's the difference? He, he absolutely is. And so July 1st, it rolled down the road from the build site to the launch site, um, and they added that seventh tower segment. Man, that orbital tower looks absolutely crazy it was nothing like this size when i was when i was in there. december like 90 percent of what that was down there is was not there like nice. the orbital build site was just like uh like four store like um uh the just the uh, concrete like shipping post. containers like oh. four of those shipping containers just like in a circle that's all it was like that that was it there was like some fencing around it and that like that was that was it that was yeah. the orbital build when site i was there. there it was just those concrete posts that was it (laughs) it's insane i'm I'm planning on going down there i think maybe i think i might go down again this year maybe next year i want to get there as soon as possible i I definitely want to make that happen because it yeah it's pretty cool Uh, i think times time scale wise for that i think we we the goal was always like you know i was saying july 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 well and he got a bit more realistic here yeah we finally got like an update this so so um, Ben Shotwell, the C- COO and president of SpaceX, did say that they're still going for July. And then Elon kind of clarified that the internal um, goal, which, ha- which has to be like super, pu- you know, pushing it really hard, is July. Though most likely what what's going to happen is um, they're going to have Booster 4 and Starship 20. I'm just going to call them Starship 20. Uh, 
Starship 20 um, built uh, by the end of July. Yeah, they hopefully have the orbital pad. The orbital pad is really the biggest thing because that's so much work that has to be done. And I thought, like, there's no way. I think it was, like, in June. I'm like, no, nah, we're not launching this thing till like, October. Yep. There's no way that much work is going to get done within, like, a month and a half. And then, like, a month and a half later, okay, like, maybe that can get done. Like, they just built – there was, like, all also, like, the tower segment – the segment started like going down the road and tanks started going down the road. And all of a sudden like you looking like, Holy crap, they've built out the orbital pad almost already. <laughs> yeah. So Elon said that he thinks they can stack an orbital ship on an orbital booster in July. And then obviously there'll be testing that comes from that and other things might not go right, but that's pretty cool. And I, it's, if that thing actually gets stacked, I, I'm I'm just hopping on the next flight down there. Like, just to see it. Like, I don't care if it launches. I just want to see what it looks like having it fully stacked and just stand next to it on, on the road and just look up. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a bit earlier, at the very end of June, the Starship, uh, the Raptor vacuum engine, the first one was spotted down there. So that's yeah, like, getting I think ready. The pieces are, are being set down and they're all kind of showing up so. now the thing that i thought was most interesting was he said he it looks like we elon said it looks like we can get 378 seconds isp with this version of raptor and over 380 with improvements down the road i thought the fact that those numbers were so close together was really impressive that hey we're not looking to increase the specific impulse that much more we're getting really close that's the way that i read that yeah although for i know with isp you gotta fight for every second you want like getting like a half a second is like a major achievement so okay those yeah. two seconds might actually be relatively hard to get i don't know maybe maybe not i, I know that isp though like improving isp is like super difficult um but they're they're getting close they're they're almost there pretty much with raptor um elon and Tori. Oh, it, this was so a, just this was a like, battle. It began it was such a wholesome start to the week with these two. And then detailed it, though? so was it, quickly. Was it ever wholesome? It was some wholesome fun. That's what it I was, thought it was. It looked like no. some wholesome fun. So okay. Elon shared, not Elon, sorry, Tori shared a time lapse of um uh like the thrust segment of yep. uh of Vulcan, uh, the Vulcan, Vulcan thrust structure. Booster. And it has like these, uh, these little like they're kind of like paddles instead of engines because they're doing thrust um, simulations on it. So they have like little spots where you can push on it, pretty much. But they kind of look like like standing engines, pretty much. And Elon goes, "Hey, hey, hey, when do the engines arrive? Yeah, when do the engines arrive, Tori?" <laughs> and it was just like he's a soon, and then they talk about Tori was so it. nice. He's, he was his so, reply Tori's was always nice, absolutely. Tori's he said, a super nice guy. Soon. Would you like to drop by for a tour when they do? I know a guy who can get you in. And Elon, he replied, yeah. But then he goes back and he says, should I bring a few spare engines? I mean, just in case. case. Like, all wholesome fun. Like, you know, and um, the, of course, the ULA's Vulcan rocket, um, their engines are being developed by Blue Origin. Yep, the BE-4. It's been a really badly kept secret that they have really, their engines are not necessarily the greatest at the moment. Well, their engines are having a little bit of an issue. They're having some issues, and uh, I, I think I don't know what where where they stand if they're good because I know Vulcan and, and New Glenn have like different parameters. 
One um, of them has to deep it. throttle and land. One of them does not have to land. So who it who knows exactly where the issues are from? Mm-hmm. But they could the, the issues could totally just be like one little part, and they're just taking so long to get it. Um, but who knows? But yeah, does not have some fun poking fun at, at, at Jeff Bezos? And then Jeff Bezos becomes kind of like the joke, like kind of like the butt of the joke of the rest of the week, pretty much. Because like it just well, well with with Tori Bruno, like it kind of ends with there for a bit, and all of a sudden, then Elon goes on his rants about. Oh my god, there were so many tweets just beating. Usually, Tori does not reply. Like usually, when Tori when Elon's going at ULA for something, Tori usually like will send one reply and then done. I don't know what. I don't know what he had his Wheaties that morning and he was going right back at him. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say that. He was just, he was defending, defending himself his very well. He clearly. was defending his company. Yep. Pretty much. And he yeah. wasn't resorting to the, uh, I don't want to say mudslinging esque tactics of Elon. Of, of Elon? Yeah. Cause like just to go through a few of the things Elon said, he said, ULA would be dead as a doornail without the two launch provider DOD requirement. And then, talking about the parent company Lockheed uh, and some of the regulatory or the lobbying issues there to secure contracts and then more complaining about taxpayers having to overpay and calling ULA a monopoly for U.S. government launches. And Tori, so there, there was uh, someone on Twitter who just asked, Tori, can you compete with this? Do you fear Vulcan might be dead on arrival? And Tori just said, yes, already have one over 30 missions. Yeah. Hey, we got 30 missions. Like, boom, like, done. Like, and to be he, fair, like ULA is completely a still valid company. Like a lot of people say like, ULA is dead. ULA is done. Like they're completely a still valid company. They have, they're actually, they've, they've gotten commercial wins with like Amazon launching there. Now exactly was ULA the, the best choice for that? <laughs> probably not. Like, I mean, obviously, that wasn't their first choice. Definitely probably wasn't their second choice. <laughs> their fourth choice, Barbie would have been individual rockets on Electron before SpaceX. But, um, <laughs> like, just, <laughs> would you rather put you all your payloads on a space, on a Falcon 9 or just break them up over, like, a bunch of Electrons? Like, that, that's pretty much probably where Amazon's at. Yeah, because they're a direct yeah. competitor, not just in terms of launches, but the satellites themselves, they're satellites intended themselves. to eventually yeah. compete with Starlink. But, but like, yeah, their, their, their mission, their mission is not what SpaceX's mission is. Like, they're, Absolutely. it's, it's hard to really, they're definitely competitors, but not in a way that like, you know, like Walmart and Amazon are competitors. Like they're not, they don't have the same goals. They both want to launch rockets, but they don't have the same end game when they come to launching rockets. So, uh, ULA is just sticking to their 100% success rate at the most accurate launch insertions. Um, although those rumors going around that SpaceX is getting just as good. Um, but also the highest energy upper stage on like the Centaur stage is amazing. So like, I don't know what Elon's going at. Elon just wants more rock, more, more launches probably. But that was, that was a, that was a trip. Those two days. Of, yeah. Of those and tweets. Uh, Astro Kevin on Twitter was like, um, Elon, the contract is to launch national security payloads, not make life multiplanetary because that's one of the critiques. He, he says he, he, t- Put, kind of puts down ULA 
saying their goal is to make money and launch rockets where we are trying to make life multiplanetary. And it's like that regardless of how great a goal making life multiplanetary is, if you're competing to launch rocket to launch payloads into orbit, the only thing that matters to the customer or the government is how well can you launch our payload into orbit? And ULA has a fantastic success rate. So it's not surprising that they've won a lot of the payloads for missions that frankly can't afford to fail. Like when you're Mm -hmm. sending a multi-billion dollar rover to Mars and if you're paying a hundred million, 150 million extra to get it somewhere with a perfect success rate rather than somewhere with a well over 90% almost perfect success rate, but that couple percent, if it can cost you a couple billion dollars, it's absolutely worth spending the extra if they see it as a risk. Um, and, and it's not like SpaceX is charging the DoD their normal rates. Like a a DoD mission on Falcon Nine is extremely more expensive than a commercial flight on, on Falcon. It's just how just how the prices all all like kind of go out per launch. Um, so it's not like you can kind of say like, well, they're they're cheaper, but yeah. They're not they're getting still, this. They're still, they're still, you know, increasing their prices. For the them. government is not paying sixty million per launch. They're paying hundreds per launch. Yeah, it's yeah, um, yeah. So <laughs> just Elon, just Elon being Elon. You gotta love him. So when we started doing a weekly like recap of his tweets, because Elon's just great. There's so much like, to cover, and there's even so in much writing in it, I'm, there's stuff that I've missed that I go back and I'm like, okay, yep, gotta put this in here, and it's, it's hard to keep up I think, with. I used to get notified three times when he tweeted. Oh yeah, from all the <laughs> from <laughs> from not from our Slack channels because both Electric and us have a bot. I used to get notifications for Electric, and uh, and then from Twitter itself. And then sometimes I'll get texts when he tweets, not just from like our group chat, but like from my friends as well. So sometimes if he tweets something really crazy, I'll get like six notifications about his tweet. Yeah, it's it's great. And then it's like a couple hours later, one of my other friend group chats sends one of his tweets and I'm like, yep, that that happened. That was a thing. Yep. Yep. We're we're like ten cycles past this. Dude, in his that, tweets that was at this like point. 30 minutes ago. <laughs> we're like on a whole other subject. Yeah. Right? <laughs> It, um, it moves so fast. So, yeah, th- I was glad to start up that weekly yeah. piece. Now, be- uh, so now we have to go into like not Bezos continues to kind of like have a week. Um, it started off with Bezos getting slammed by Tory, right? I was like, right, Elon, right? And then we kind of got, and then Elon goes, and then Bezos goes, uh, invites uh, Wally Funk. So, Wally, uh, so Bezos is flying what, July 20th, right? On his mission to space on his new Shepard. And it's him, his brother, um, the person who spent $28 million to fly in a rocket with him, uh, $23 million, whatever it was. All right, sorry to interrupt, but can you imagine spending that thinking that it's going to be this notable, more notable because you're going to be like the first fly and then it's like, nah, just this other billionaire comes in a couple days before to eclipse it. Oh yeah, dude! If I was that guy who spent that much money, and all of a sudden, and then what? Okay, what's gonna happen? Pretty much, spoiler alert: Richard Branson announced that he's gonna fly like nine days for Bezos. Like, yeah. imagine like that person who spent all that those millions of dollars for part of it. I, I, hopefully, it's not for that reason. Hopefully, it's for like, well, 
truly, hopefully it's for the charity that it goes to, but truly it's probably for like flying with Bezos. Yeah. And they're different um, experiences. So they're very different. Experiences. Yeah. But like, so, so this is what's going on. Right. So he has those three. He announces the fourth. I think there's only four members on this flight. I think they can fly up to seven, I think, but there's only doing four. I don't know. Um, so the fourth person right now is Wally Funk. Uh, she was a part of this program called Apollo, uh, the Apollo Mercury 13. I almost said Apollo 13. Uh, Mercury 13. So, um, so it was actually, it was the woman in space program. The women in space program was like the the, official name. Um, And then Mercury 13 name given that was given to the like 13 that successfully completed that Um, underwent those. We're not going to try to explain it because like there's a, there's a whole thing about it. Um, Vintage space, uh, Amy, she title, which we've had on this podcast before last year. She has like a, like a 50 minute video all about it. Like, I would go suggest to watch that. I'm going to link it in the show because she does way better than any way of explaining what it was. But basically, um, she was kind of, she was a really, she was an amazing pilot. Uh, of course, back in the sixties, uh, we weren't accepting female ap- um, a- uh, astronaut applications. NASA didn't want them. Um, there was a whole, this program pretty much did the same test. They all performed as good or better than the uh, male astronauts. Uh, and then NASA said, no, we're not going to let you fly. Yeah. Because uh, they had she, this jet pilot, requirement it's like yeah yeah they, and, the big thing was like they wanted to be to, a it was military jet pilot something like that yeah and in order to be in the military you had to be a dude and so it's yep. like and um but yeah. yeah so she went on became like uh, if you go like down her list on like the wikipedia page of all her titles like there's first in front of all of them like there was first uh in, like inspector for the not inspector but investigator for the National Transportation Safety Board, first female inspector for the FAA, like all all these first go down. She has like more flight hours than like any other pilot probably in the world. Um extremely amazing person. She teach she's teach thousands of people to fly. The list goes on. Um so she is now gonna finally be able to fly. Um, to space with Jeff Bezos on this flight. Love him or hate him. Bezos knows space history. So he, he gets a win in that book. Absolutely. This is absolutely a win for, for him to that make this. Now that very same day, (laughs) like (laughs) that, not even, not even, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it's the same day, like 12 hours later. So with, when he announced that, um, Virgin Orbit was also doing their launch, uh, Tubular Bells Part One. Um, it's named after like their first track, the Virgin Media, Virgin Recording, whatever the whatever this first Virgin company was called, um, like produced. Um, I, I I really like that naming scheme. That's gonna be a really cool naming scheme after all these songs. So, uh, they launched their first operational rocket. And Branson then goes on CNBC uh, to talk about Virgin Orbit's flight. Says Virgin, uh, Richard Branson is also the founder of Virgin Galactic. The first question is, are you trying to beat Branson, uh, Bezos in space? Jeff who? And, and that was like, uh, and if you don't know the reference of that, that is, that was um, Musk's response when he got asked about his competition with uh, Bezos, like all those years ago in that interview. Instantly slammed by him, and then they laugh it off. He he goes like, "I can't talk about Virgin Galactic because it's a publicly traded company. He can't talk about it." Little did we know that later that day he was going to announce that he would be flying 
on Virgin Galactic on, what was it, the, the 11th? July 11th? Nine days before, yeah, nine days before. <laughs> yeah. Um, All these billionaires on their space rockets. Oh, man. So that. What do do about them? Yeah, it was, I believe it was actually the next day the, the announcement It was the next was day, that's right, okay. Um, but. Bezos had one day of glory. That's pretty much what it was. One day of glory. Um, yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> you gotta love him. You gotta love him. So, uh, Branson pretty much, his, his thing was, he got asked several times before this if he was going to fly, when he was going to fly. Um, I think in some of the um, shareholder meetings, like they say, like this is a milestone that they have set. They've had set for like, the last like couple of years that when Bridget Branson flies, he will fly on the final mission, the final like flight before paying customers go on. And well, yes, be- because his role in this mission is evaluating customer experience. Yeah, what Which a is role a fancy to have. Way of saying he just wants to fly the space. Yeah, but. <laughs> That that's kind of his role. There's there's three other mission specialists on it. Um, you know, one's gonna be testing payloads. One's gonna be um, I don't remember what the other, one's one like one of them, one is actually gonna be conducting experiments in the flight, which is yeah. which is one uh, one person she like she handles kind of like the, the the contracts with the government, and so like they all kind of have their um, their own like kind of specialty that they're gonna do. Francis, of course, is yeah customer experience. Now, is, now to I just, bring I just, up I just find little- that hilarious. To bring up a little bit of an argument here, are they actually going to space? Is that really space that they're going to? Yes, I, yes. that's what that's what my easy <laughs> ad is going to be. Just yes, they're going to space. Yeah. So they uh, Virgin Galactic they fly up to about I think it's like the highest is eighty eight kilometers, eighty three kilometers. I think it is um, just just above eighty kilometers, um, and that is what the U.S. the FAA considers space. Well, they they use miles instead of, but they round to uh, eighty kilometers. Now the international um, boundaries was recognized as a hundred kilometers, which is called the Carmen Line. Um, the the idea the idea of it is that space the boundary of space is somewhere between eighty and hundred kilometers, and there's arguments that they're both kind of right. Like what uh, they're going to space, like they're like it's yeah. that easy. I absolutely space. agree. Like they're both having a great experience going to space it'll yep. be fantastic um it's just the technicalities of okay the u.s military and nasa define space how one way versus like the international definition it's the 50 miles versus 100 kilometers and it's you're in space well i yeah. think we can just be like yeah and uh yeah so virgin Glock, they're gonna be launching the 11th so here let's so bezos so hold on, hold on. Uh, let's get this week straight with, <laughs> with all these, right, right? So it starts off with innocent Tori Bruno sharing a cool time, Tori time lapse, he calls them, right? Just having fun. I love Elon, his camera. The videos that he shares, just fantastic. And then there's some wholesome fun about doing a tour of the factory. 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 Wow. Um, and then Elon Musk slams Bezos for his engine problems. And then... Brazos comes back by announcing a great, you know, American hero pretty much in aviation to fly with him. And then the next day he gets, he he's no longer going to be the first billionaire to go to space on his rocket. He said, okay, which is, this is, this is really funny because Bezos isn't really on Twitter at all. He's on, he posts on Instagram, but he, he has a Twitter account, but he doesn't really post on it. I don't think he's posted in like 
since the beginning of last year. Bob Smith, the most forgettable CEO of any company ever. Bob who? Bob, yeah. That's a true Bob who. I have to Google his name every single time. Bob Smith, the CEO of Blue Origin, gets on Twitter and tries to call out Virgin. Like They're not actually going to space. The whole argument about 80 kilometers, not 100 kilometers. It's a whole different experience. Yada, yada, yada. And then... Pratt, and then... And then now, and then Branson now going to space. That's the whole. That's the whole week. Now, I will say, I think it's fair to talk about the differences of the experience because if you're flying with Virgin Galactic, it's almost a plane. It's basically a plane flight halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then it's like the rocket engine starts, and as far as the windows, I feel like I personally think that flying on blue origin would be a cooler experience because they have such massive windows it's flying in a rocket uh but at the same time you think about just landing back at an airport with virgin galactic so it's they're yeah, definitely get picked, up, get picked up by rivian trucks though with blue origin so mm. and maybe even bezos might be driving one so with you never know. You might you might get that experience. But yeah, that that's the oh my god that yeah that explaining that those tweets that's like so hard to. There, there's that, so that much that happened this week, and now and we talked like about thinking he might have to fly on his first orbital starship just just the one up no. maybe. No, we like we talked about the issues as far as between Blue Origin, like Elon's just really attacking i don't want to say attacking that sounds a bit harsh but he's throwing shots at a bunch of people because it's blue origin it's ula it's also the government regulation because after the first attempt for transporter 2 was actually scrubbed due to uh an aircraft in the oh yeah tfr i and totally forgot about that that's how crazy there's this week, so I totally much that's happened about the and so he replied uh, to the SpaceX tweet of the webcast, unfortunately, launch is called off today as an aircraft entered the keep-out zone, which is unreasonably gigantic. There is simply no way that humanity can become a spacefaring civilization without major regulatory reform. The current yeah, system love, is broken. You know, you know, Tori, not Tori, you know, there's so many billion. I don't even know. There's so <laughs> many... There's so you know that uh, uh, Elon is really angry when he goes with that line. How is how is humans supposed to become a spacefaring nation? That's how you know he's really pissed. That's yeah. his like go to line to to slam someone for and something he's really pissed about. The, the way that I I saw that is like it's possible that Elon could be right. Maybe an aircraft clipped the outside of the area. Maybe there was no so, safety risk. But to I my think- under so so to my understanding about how how this all works, right? Um, so the, the TFR, the, the, the keep out area is um, pretty much based off of the manual flight termination system rather than the automatic flight termination system. So you could you couldn't make it smaller because of automatic because because you basically pretty much like it might take a second or two for a human to press the to get the two keys to press the button, all that stuff like set up to actually term, terminate a rocket. Um, I don't actually know those two keys anymore. I, I've been in that building. I think there's only a button. I don't. I know there's like a switch. In the pr- I've seen the button. I've seen the button. It's pretty. It's a red button too. It's great. Um, 
but uh, the way when a when a uh, aircraft enters a TFR, um, they're contacted by air traffic control like right away, pretty much. Um, though, pretty much to have to scrub a lo- the beast, the beast to ter- um, to like enter a TFR to have to scrub a launch, like there's you have to be contacted by air traffic control, you have to be unresponsive, you have to be one. Like not just clipping it and then coming out real quick. Like you have to, now, you have to, you have this, to show pretty much not like Melissa's intent actually to do it. Um, so and the what thing happens is, after you scrub it? I don't know. But it happened very close to launch. It was less yeah. than a minute to launch. So there, there are multiple stories about maybe it was the port helicopter, and that perhaps is strengthened by the fact that the TFR, I believe, was slightly larger and actually included the helipad on the next day. It was like just outside the TFR, but the, they had nowhere to go. And then it was like, yeah, everything's covered. But, um, but something like that, is, to my understanding, wouldn't scrub the launch. Like just, just taking off and leaving from a TFR. Because you can go through a TFR with But um, this with was permission. seconds, like they were so close yeah. to launch. And so the thing is that we don't know exactly yeah. what it was there. And it's possible that there are regulatory changes in need, but Elon has had his disagreements with the FAA before. And when the, so much. the goal is safety, when human lives are at risk, not on the rocket in this case, but yeah. on the airplanes, it's always safer to scrub the launch to just play it safe. Yeah. Don't launch now, and wait. Now what happens monetarily because SpaceX oh, lost so no much idea. money. So, who who knows? Should there be a fine? Maybe. So I don't know. Okay. I'm not gonna. There's a pot like so. There is the possibility that the pilot that violated the TFR that scrubbed the launch could be charged for any extra payment that SpaceX has to do to launch again, which could be in the millions. Yeah, I'm not familiar <laughs> with how that regulation works. I, I'm not an expert, but I do know that I, I know that they can charge. I don't know what all they could charge. I don't like possibly like, you know, wages of people who have to stay out there another day, fuel cost. Um, I mean, they, they pay that. They I think they, they have to pay a certain amount to the 45th, to the space force for using the range, all this stuff. Now, what, what about I'm the more, media cameras that were ruined from the rain? <laughs> dude. Yeah. Emotional damages. <laughs> <laughs> emotional damages i think that's what it should be we, sh- we should do a class that's a long class action long oh show. that would go well i'm sure that would not go well um <laughs> no i'm interested because this is a not a private range this is owned by nasa and the dod and all that stuff right and this call didn't come from spacex this call came from space launch delta 45 now when they launch from texas that call comes from spacex so Elon has a way. Elon has a way into that to continue a launch, unlike a Falcon Nine, which he doesn't. He can't control the the, the space force. Yeah, if he if he now, goes they launch, and launches without permission, yeah. ooh, I'm I'm fascinated at what's going to happen. Like some like I feel like an independent range is very good. Like having someone outside of the company launching to determine whether. And range availability is probably a smart idea. Just as a, as a, there's no. I mean, NASA just said gets to do this all themselves, and they've had issues in the past. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's fascinating. I don't know. It that's yeah, I a definitely. Scenario. I definitely think when making a call between safety of 
non-involved parties and costing the company money is the call that needs to be made. Maybe it's best not to have that decision made by the company that's going to lose. Yeah, no, the money. right? Like, like I, I know like, Elon doesn't. Nec- Elon's not in the launch control room at all. Like he, he has been, I think, for crude launches, but like he's not in charge of that. There's, the launch director is in charge, and in the past, Elon's never. Elon's been upset about Scrubs, especially in the early days. But like he has never. He's never gonna. He's not. He hasn't fired a launch director because they scrubbed. So, I don't think this is really going to be an issue. But I do feel like. But like with Starship, though, we've kind of seen where like things have been consistent with like other launches, and all of a sudden there's like irregularly, which is like, oh, Elon was in town. Probably that was why. That that might have been why. So I don't know. It. The future of private launches is going to be weird. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> And we're going to wrap it up with that. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Derek, for joining me. Thank you for um, having you me. Can listen, you can listen to us, of course, on all the uh, regular uh, podcasting services, Spotify, Overcast, iTunes, Google Podcast. Um, you can follow me at Seth Kirk, S-E-T-H-K-U-R-K, on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And then you can follow Derek at... Derek is wise on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on all the places. Yep. And uh, that all stuff will be linked down in the show notes uh, below. So thank you everyone for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.